Hey everybody, this is Designated Drummer. This is Keith Rainwater, the Designated Drummer with the podcast here. Uh, today's guest I have here, Ben Caesar. Caesar, am I saying it right? Caesar. Caesar? Like the oh, Roman Caesar. Emperor okay, like or the that salad, sounds... whichever you prefer. <laughs> cool. He is and has been the uh, amazing drummer with Brad Paisley for years. And uh, we used to tour with Brad Paisley back in the day, play practical jokes on each other. So Absolutely. we go way back. And... Uh, it's great to have you in here today. Thanks. Talk Good to about be drumming here. and yeah, yeah. about career stuff and being on the road and all sure. that. Sure. Yeah. So, um, Good talk. You're still with Brad Paisley after how many years? 22 years. That is amazing. That's oh, and by lot. the way, we, we're both drinking coffee. Yeah. So if you hear us, uh, pause. You're slurping. Yeah, slurping. <laughs> it's just because of the coffee. But anyway, um, so we are here at the infamous band cave here. Um, the Lone Star Band Cave, and we're just in the office here having a little chat about drumming and stuff. And uh, so I'm just going to start right off and talk about uh, what got you started in drumming, like as a kid. Like, do, oh, you, was as it a something kid. That, well, no, I just wanted to be in Kiss like all the other <laughs> derelicts. Right, you yeah, know, did you do the makeup and all that? Uh, at one well, point? Uh, for Halloween, yeah, <laughs> but right. yeah, for sure. But, you know, that's, I mean, really before, I mean, that's what got me into music, I mean, Originally, I wanted to play guitar because my older brother played guitar, so whatever he did, I wanted to do. Um, and drumming ended up being a default because everything went through the public school system at that time. And um, I knew I wanted to play music. I was just loved music. It wasn't even about drumming at that point. I was just a fan. And uh, and they came around with all the instruments, you know, saxophone, tuba, flute. And I'm like, this would have been in about sixth grade. No, fourth you... grade. Oh, fourth grade. Yeah. Wow. And I'm like, well, you can't be in Kiss with a saxophone. <laughs> um, and they didn't <laughs> offer guitar because everything was symphonic, but they did offer drums and percussion. So I was like, aha. Peter Chris. Right. right. It was. Could be like him. Right. And so I, it was a default uh, that I ended up falling in love with. So you know. But music, the the fan experience really uh, fueled the player experience. Like, I was just such a fan of music that it wasn't enough for me to just listen to it. I had to be in it. You know, the fan comes first. I know first. that feeling. I yeah. know that feeling. Like, I have to get my hands dirty. I have to do that. I yeah. have to do that myself. Some people just, they love the instrument so much, but... And you know, it's and music is almost secondary to that, and which I never understood. But you know, the player was born out of the fan for me. Right. Yeah. yeah, and still to this day, you know, I'm just such a fan of things. You so know? you got? Did you were you playing like the snare sort of in band, or did you get like a kit? It did took you? a no. It took a while. Oh boy, no, it it didn't happen like that. First, it was. I didn't even realize it was a group session. I walked. I was think. I signed up thinking it was going to be private. We'd be on the drums, and about a month, I'd be ready to rock out. And it was nothing like that. I walked into the room, and then there's these all these other kids sitting around, like, "Who the hell are you, people?" <laughs> um, and then it was like, "Pat." We were on a pad, and at the time, I didn't know what a pad was. I'm like, "This sucks." Oh wow! This is where's the drums? There was one little snare drum in the corner, and I was I always kept eyeballing it in the yeah. clouds. Like, Can we play that, please? You know. <laughs> And uh, at least something That's next real. year, right? Yeah, right. That's their second year. Well, <laughs> it took a few years for them to put me in the symphonic band because, well, the teacher didn't like me. And I don't blame him. I was, uh, I was one of those ADD kids, you know. Yeah. And uh, I was all over the place. I didn't follow any of the rules. Um, but I practiced. I, you know, everything they sent us home with, I learned. I, I, was, I had a, probably infinitely more drive than anyone in the 
uh, percussion uh, ensemble in the band, but I was sort of hard to tame, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. You know, to and, rein uh, in, right? <laughs> it wasn't until sixth grade. It wasn't until two years later. Uh, I had a wonderful teacher. Um, her name was uh, Ann Rines, and she's still alive. I, I, I actually visited her uh, a couple of years ago in New Jersey. Now, yeah. what year was this? Sixth Eight, grade? 1982. 82, sixth yeah. grade. Okay, I got you. And uh, she was this unbelievable kind of uplifting woman. She just, she loved all her students. She was just angel. I've never had a teacher like her. Well, she saw my drive. And she also saw, did the math that this guy wasn't putting me in the band for whatever reason. Well, she marched me down to his office and kind of got in his face, you know, and was like, you will put him in the band. Literally, and that afternoon, wow. I was staying after school to rehearse with the so symphonic. So she saw something in you that, that... Well, I wouldn't stop talking about it. I wouldn't, oh, you know, right. and she didn't care that I was ADD. She saw the ADD thing as kind of a, a gift, right? She didn't see it as an annoyance. Um, and she just, yeah, she saw something and, and she marched me down and you will put him in the band. And he did. And, uh, and that kind of, oops, that kind of got it started, um, in, in the school system. But yeah, it wasn't like, uh, and I was funny as I was on the verge of kind of giving up. Yeah. You know, I was like, this isn't, I'm not even getting anywhere in the, local scene, you know, let alone, um, and then finally we were like, you know, we were a lower middle class growing up. So I, of course I asked for drums yeah. before all this and my, you know, we, we didn't have a whole lot of money and, and I, I think also maybe my parents were wanting to see if this was a phase or if this was something that would stick yeah. before they made an investment. Right. Uh, and again, about this was a little sooner than the band incident. I would say um, from somewhere around 1981, out of nowhere, my stepfather comes home with uh, with these beautiful, shiny. It was a '64 Ludwig kit, which at the time wasn't vintage, really. Yeah, really. Yeah. It was right. 1981, so it was just an old drum set. Yeah. You know what I mean. Um, but oh boy, I, I've never had a better day, you know, ever since. Yeah. You know, it was I think like back then people were like, "Oh, that's what Ringo played, right?" Right. <laughs> you know, and and at the time it was just you know things had moved on in terms of trends and styles of drum set. But I didn't care. Like I I was I couldn't believe it. It was like the only way I can describe it would be like, um, imagine literally winning the lottery. Wow. You know what right. I mean? That's yeah. what it felt like as a 11 year old when that drum set came. And so that really fueled it. I'm like, this is such a gift. That really gave me all of the propulsion yeah, right. needed to continue as that gift. And, and I think if I was one of those kids that, that kind of got whatever he wanted whenever I wanted it, yeah. I don't know that it would have stuck. It was the fact that in my mind, it was a dead, it was a dead issue. Yeah, that's never going to happen. I'm never never going to happen, and then it happened, yeah. and uh, that was just so impactful that, that that fueled the whole thing yeah. for me. And so, like, when you're at school every day in English class, you're thinking about those drums, right? You're thinking about, oh, you know it. to get home Oh, God, to no, I have, it's, I have written proof of it. They would yeah. make you journal back in those uh -huh. days in English class, exactly. Yeah. Go home and write your journal, and every journal entry was about drumming and that mm -hmm. drums. I still have all that. I still have. Wow. It. That is, yeah, that is yeah. amazing. So then you, you went through high school, you, 
I imagine because your passion for it, you got to be a really good drummer, like in like, I mean, say high school. Based right? on the high school, yeah. like <laughs> I, in my mind, I was a really good drummer. Um, you know, based on the local thing that was going on and of course I was in bands and we were very experimental and all you know our rehearsals were were epic you know what I mean anytime we got together to just to play it didn't matter if it was a gig or not you know we didn't gig a whole lot we mostly rehearsed or whatever you call it yeah and uh jammed we call it jamming because because I was never really in a cover band where we had a purpose like okay we're gonna learn a set of 20 covers and we're gonna go out everybody just wanted to play and have fun yeah we just wanted to play and 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 test out jam whatever you know interaction you know, and, and that's what it was for me. And, and it kind of has always been that way. You know, I never really became uh, that, that, that typical just working drummer who, yeah. who who's learning a set of 20 songs for... I, I think if know. I ever had to do it over again mm-hmm. and I was back, go back in time, I would make sure somehow that uh, it, it, my parents or someone bought a PA. Because <laughs> right. you remember back in those days, whoever had the PA, they had they were you right. Know, they're and the PAs leader of the band. Were huge. They, they always had a gig. <laughs> you know it, and, and you couldn't. You know now the the, the PA can you can almost yeah. fit one in your pocket. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, and every but, venue has them, and that you know whatever. You know, that so, wasn't the case. Yeah. You had to have a. There was a yeah. huge mixer. You had to have power, power amps. amps. You had to have the, the, the speakers. speakers. We had this. Our our guitar player had it. They were Altec speakers and I'm not oh, yeah, kidding they man. were big pieces of lumber that they were <laughs> yeah. huge yeah. you know what I mean he right. had them um, and yeah he's got the PA so he's got the let's, PA let's make sure he stays in the band yeah you know, absolutely you fire that guy yeah but uh, so cut to later you know you, you're playing what made you what was the one thing that the, the one step that you took that made you a pro like that in other words going from like okay I'm working <laughs> At this uh, gas station, or I'm working oh, at right. this uh, what Best Buy, or something like Waiting that. Waiting tables and cooking. Yeah, there you go. I was yeah, chefing. and then all of a sudden you got an offer to go full time. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to be making my living playing drums. Finally, what, when was that? Well, it sort of it didn't quite happen in 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 uh, in that 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 demarcation line. Like, okay, there's a point before and a point after. There was a gray area. Yeah. Oh, I see. So. Where, like where you played weekends and that it, kind of thing. You just it kinda... was, yeah. I mean, because you, you know, in 1995, I got a road gig, um, at the time, and that took me. That was sort of dabbling. So we we it was my first time, but it was van and trailer kind of thing, and uh, we were going all over the country, and it was. I mean, that was hard. I don't think people tour like. Like we did in those days. I mean, now, let me ask you before we go any further. What yeah. style of music? What was that? Was that just all? Oh, it was a retro. It was a new way. I don't know if anyone remembers. Uh, I don't talk about this a whole lot, but um, I don't know if anyone remembers Missing Persons. Oh yeah, they were yeah. a big '80s new wave act. Well, they did a '90s thing. Obviously, Terry Bozio was the original drummer. Oh, right. Well, Dale, uh, his wife, ex-wife at the time, put the band back together to tour under the name and do like clubs and stuff like that. And, and like, and, um, sort of, uh, heritage festivals where we played with the tubes and flock of seagulls and wow, night ranger. Cool. We did, nice. and this was in 1995. So wow. that thing, that was kind of, it was having a, a moment. And so that's what I was doing. And, uh, man, was that, it was, I mean, at the time I had the energy 
but looking back, it was rough. So, you know, but that got me, that, that sort of uh, toughened my skin up, right? It, mm-hmm. it gave me a good uh, um, a foundation mm-hmm. uh, of getting out of the house, being a team player. We all had to load up the, everything. We, we didn't have techs. Um, we drove for 16 hours a shift, Took you, turns, you, yeah, right you know, and, and avoided oh um, uh, the police and, you know, and, and stayed in crappy hotels and ran up against uh, shady <laughs> characters and right. we were feared for our lives more than once. Now, where did twice. you live at this time? Was this I a, was in Boston. In Boston? Mm-hmm. Ah. I, I moved to Nashville in 93, stayed for a year. This gig came up. I moved back to Boston for a year and then moved back to Nashville. So I just kind of paused it. Um, and uh, so that gave me, so that was, and it wasn't like a big break, but it was a break in terms of experience. I had I, I really mm-hmm. gone out there and got a taste of rolled the up my sleeves and, yeah, and right. got some bruises and, and gave the world some bruises too. So, you know, <laughs> so... I would, again, I wouldn't call that like a, a in terms of a career a big break, but in terms of uh, developmental necessities that you need to to yeah. sort of uh, to 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 be able to go on the road and hang. That was a great time. Then came back to Nashville. I was my day job was chefing. I, I come from a long line of chefs, and and uh, my brothers uh, were excellent chefs, and they they taught me. And so that was kind of my day job. At 25, when I moved right back to Nashville after the missing persons thing, I was the, the head chef at Belmont uh, for catering right? operation. I did not know that. I was running the whole catering operation for Belmont College. Wow. Yeah, it was a big, big deal. And they were starting to throw money at me. Um, but obviously, I wasn't ready to give up on music. I, I wasn't yeah. even close to the word give up on music or the phrase. just didn't. So I would do my chef job for 12 hours and then go gig mm-hmm. uh, the same day for another six or eight hours. I would pull 20-hour days. Like down on Broadway or something like Either that? Either Broadway. Broadway. Well, I was in a band at the time. We would go. Broadway wasn't really a thing, but there was a huge club scene at the time. Yeah, I mean, there were right. so many places to play that don't exist anymore, but we had, we were a fixture. We, we played all over town. So it was fun. It was, you know, um, so out of that, Experience. I met someone who kind of got me my first audition in the Nashville machine. Right. Okay. Okay. And like to, to, for a touring act. For a tour, a new yeah. artist in 1999. Um, and so this was my first, like, uh, quote, real audition. Okay. I never, re- I never auditioned before. It was all just word of mouth. It yeah. was just, you know. So, and I, you know. And here's the thing. I was enjoying my life. I, I, when, I, when I got the audition, it, it, there wasn't pressure for me because um, I was already working in music. I had uh, a solid um, life here that I was happy with. Um, you know, yes, I was still reaching for a, a new level, but I wasn't desperate for a new level. Um, I be- still believed in the music I was making with the band I was in. We were, uh, things were good, but I did take the audition. And I think this is the learning point to this. Um, since I didn't hedge, um, you know, some people go into an audition and they think, okay, this, I got to get this or else right. this yeah. is a huge deal. I really didn't have that mindset. 
I just, I thought it was a neat thing to do. I really just got into the music. My goal for the audition wasn't to get the audition. My goal was to make a cool musical experience hmm. with the people. Because you've never auditioned before. Right. Yeah, and, I, and, and I'm very familiar with, again, like we talked about in the high school days, making an experience out of a jam session, you know? Right. And that was my goal, was to just make the singer feel good, groove out with the bass player. Make, let's, make, let's see if there's any, we can make any magic. That was my only goal. Um, there was a line of people out that door, and they were all nervous. Like some people were just, their just flesh was just white. And I just, I found that. In I just, I don't know. I took, I found humor in it. I don't, I know. I don't know if that's. I just, I was like, wow, okay. And uh, so we went in there, and and that's exactly what happened. We created a, an ex, a, like it was a vibe, and and right on the spot, um, she hired me and the bass player. Because the bass player was like that too. He was totally intent on making a thing happen. Yeah, right. And uh, and it was a great band. And well, you know how it goes. Uh, we did four gigs. The label, uh, yeah. they you know how they do. They they're like birds, mama birds. They throw them all out <laughs> of the nest, and whichever ones fly, fly. Right. And the ones that crash, crash. Well, she crashed, <laughs> and. Um, so you see how I'm how I'm easing it's a step into up, this, yeah. yeah. To so the pro, the guy who managed this artist a year later. So now I'm back to cooking or, or waiting tables or whatever I was doing, and uh, I get a call a year later, and he's like, "Look, you know, we, I love what you did with with uh, the previous artist, and uh, and uh, I'd love to have you come in and and audition for this guy, Brad." And he's like, I don't know if it'll do anything, but why don't you come down? Except this time, the audition, there was no one waiting. We were handpicked, and then oh. if Brad didn't like us for whatever reason, he, they'd pull someone else in. Um, I'd never met Brad. I listened to his music. It was cool. Obviously, it was. It, I could definitely tell this guy had a, even though it was country, he had sort of a rock attitude yeah. in his playing. Um, and I, I think at the time, the, so again, his tone of voice, the manager was like, well, I don't know if it'll do anything. That came from, you know, Brad was a very traditional country in a time where Nashville was desperately trying to change from that. Yeah. Right. Really trying to to become progressive and, and more pop sounding, which I, whatever, you know, paradigm shift, but, but I liked the music, uh, personally, you know, as a fan, again, not, not even as a player, but I, I liked listening to his record. I'm like, okay, this is, uh, obviously it's, it's a bit of a throwback for 1999, but I thought it was cool. And, uh, we went in there and uh, we didn't even rehearse. We didn't even play any of the songs that they told us to listen to. He just started throwing out covers like Working Man Blues and Bartenders Blues, yeah. which is a 3 4 shuffle. That's cool. Um, so he was. Uh, he past was, the point of rescue, which he is. He was a, kind of. He was kind of fielding. He was kind of. What's the right word? He was trying to feel it to see him what your style was like, to see. What is he like in this style? What is he? He was testing you to see. Well, he just wanted to know I if think he a could drummer jam. Yeah. He wanted to jam. 
Yeah, and yes, yeah. he uh, he 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 didn't. And to this day, he's not concerned with um, traditional song form. You know, when we play, make a record or something, we never play it like the record when we go live. He he hates being tethered to a strict form. Yeah, and even when we decide on a form he will change that form in the middle of the show. He oh, wants wow. to be oh absolutely. He will he'll we'll take out a verse, we'll add a verse we haven't played in 5 years. All of a sudden, yeah. oh we're doing that verse again. Uh, okay. So it keeps you on your toes, right? It you keeps can, you can't it keeps just, us like, on phone his toes. It and it lets him feel free. It lets him feel um you know, not confined to 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 a specific form. So um, I respect that, um, and and really that's what this gig is about. I mean, yes, playing we have to be able to play, but but, but really we have to be able to adapt, and and be on your toes, and you don't yeah. get much notice when it's going to change, you right, know. Yeah. And I love that, you know. So that's what happened. So the rest, that's you know, the rest is history. The, the big yeah. break was was when I got the call. For Brad and and part again the other part of that break is just Brad's genuine loyalty um, and appreciation for the band dynamic. Right. You know, I think a lot of artists come into town. They're singers. A lot of them didn't grow up playing in bands. A lot of yeah. artists I know their first time playing with their band was their showcase for the label. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. right, you know, and Brad grew up. He was a guitar player. He always he grew up just like me, except in West Virginia. He he knows the value of having a band around him, and that's the lucky break. Right, is getting with a guy who who values that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, so twenty one years later, right? Twenty two. Right? Twenty two years later, mm-hmm. you are. So yeah. I'm going to shift a little bit. There's yeah. a story I remember hearing. And this just fascinated me, and I, I love reading this story, and I was like, I want to talk about it. Um, Brad Paisley, th- this is what I understood. Brad mm-hmm. Paisley, y'all were messing around with Hot for Teacher or something oh like that at a show. And then he came to you. Now, tell me if this is right. He yeah. came to you and said, hey, why don't you learn that song in earnest? Like, why don't you really learn that song? How yeah. to do it? Because it's kind of a drum thing. It's like a yeah. drum solo. Oh, in absolutely. The and you... If this is right. You, know, you tell me the story. But, okay. But uh, from what I read, you, for 30 minutes a day, for 30 days straight. That's right. You practiced that and got it to where it was. And Brad said, when you have it, you come to me and we'll put it in the show. And you worked it up. It was 30 days, but it wasn't 30 minutes. I had other stuff to practice. Um, it was 10 minutes. Ah, I see. I worked on it 10 minutes a day. Um and and it wasn't so much like, hey, when you get this worked up, let me know. It was sort of like you have this much time, <laughs> and it, it didn't. It wasn't dictated by Brad. It wasn't a. It was just dictated by the time we had before the tour started. Oh, I see. And listen, he would have accepted any way I could play that intro. Right. Um, I could have just done it with my hands and went, you know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. On the floor, right. Tom, or something like well, that. Well, I found a transcription of ah, the intro. Okay, all right. That helped a lot. I was like, okay, well, here it is. I don't have to transcribe it. And, you know, the, there's all kinds of um, uh, folklore about how they did that. What I think happened was he played the beginning with his hands on electronic yeah, drums. Yeah, Simmons and the drums feet came in, like yeah. and then he was kind of using one of the Simmons drums as a ride until they got to the the actual groove and 
And so the thing is, to make it sound more like the record, and I don't have Simmons drums, the best way to do it would be to do that intro with my feet. Right. Because that's what it so, sounds like on the record. Right. It sounds like he's doing paradiddles with his feet or something right. like that. Well, it's like what they or call like, hertas, yeah, you know. Yeah. 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 But the rhythm is, is it, it inverts. It, it becomes a like a left-footed or left-handed, and then it goes to a right-handed. Or depending yeah, on which right. It, yeah. it switches, it inverts. So you studied up on it. You, you made a science out of it, and you figured it out. And you said, okay, I unlocked this, and so now here it is. Well, I have a basic template that I know works for learning anything difficult like that is to uh, it's not so much how long you practice it for it's it's how regular you practice it so in other words if I were gonna if I were practicing it for three hours once a week isn't as beneficial as practicing it 10 minutes every single day I see what you're saying yeah. so I slowed it down just slow and it was painfully oh, slow yeah. with my like. with my feet <laughs> So I like as long as if I can get that foot thing going, there's a melody underneath it. Once once the uh, after about uh, five or so measures, which is like, yeah. I hear like a little tom in there that goes. That's boom, 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 that's what that, that's what I'm talking about. It's a melody. Yeah, right. It's a melody, and and in between the melody, he triples. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, and, and what he, he did it with his feet and his hands. Well, I had to do that with my feet, too. Right. So I just slowed the whole thing. And I'm not kidding. It was like... Right? Just because I had the transcription. So all I had to do was was read it and have the discipline to play it slow. So what did Brad think about it? Like when you, when you finally said, okay, I think I got it. And y'all jammed on it. Like at rehearsal. He was... Uh, it's interesting. He, he was... I think inwardly he was proud, you know, because he's like, okay, we can really flex this song now. Right. Again, he would have accepted a lesser version. Right. But that's not what, that's not my mode of operation. I'm like, we're going to do this. Let's do it. Right. Right. And so, um, you know, do I have, I have the notes you know, because of the transcript, I can I, I have the whole thing down pat. But the, I've seen some other guys that do it. It's all about the tonality. Yeah, you right. know the okay. the kick drums aren't quite the tonality of the Simmons drums. Right, and I, I've yeah. seen some other uh, drummers that have done it online um, that maybe match the tonality better. But we're doing it live. I'm not doing it on yeah. YouTube for now, so much. Now, did you have two bass drums or a bass drum? Just, two, double just a pedal. double pedal. And I'm just not a, a great pedal. double pedal player I mean it's it was painful it, it, even when I got it, it it was never easy it wasn't right. like in my sleep I'm doing it was all it, it was always like when hot for teacher would come up in the set I'd be like oh boy here we go <laughs> hold on you know and I had a default mode I had a mode that I could go to if something fluttered or got on the wrong foot um I had a mo I had a no shit mode, you know what I oh, mean? Yeah, right, uh, yeah. that, uh, that I could uh, default to yeah. to just to get the point across, which oh, I, I only had that. to use yeah. maybe twice. That's cool. Yeah. So it, so after a while, y'all y'all he put that in the set, it's right? Y'all still do that? Well, to this we day? we go through stages. So we, it was in the set that year. We did it. It was a great year for that song because we really killed it. And then we let it go for a couple of years, and then uh, occasionally he'll put it back. I kind of thought we were done with it, but this year, as a tribute, you know, to Eddie Van Halen, right? He put it back in the oh, show, and we have that this cool video behind us oh, wow. of of just different 
clips of of Eddie during his heyday. So yeah, it actually wow. turns great. in the Hopper teacher becomes a very cool tribute, both sonically and like you know visually. It's on the this big screen. You have to see it. You Kudos know. to Brad for, for yeah. doing that. That he sounds like something Brad. He's a great guy. Yeah. Sounds like something he would like champion. You know? Absolutely. So had, you know, if, if Eddie was still with us now I, I, and he was healthy and well, I, 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 would, would, would it be in the show this year? Who knows? Maybe. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I like to think that it's, we're doing it this year because of the tribute for sure. Yeah, that's cool. You know? That's awesome. I yeah. wish, I wish, I want to hear that so bad. I haven't seen you guys live in a long time, but yeah. I would love to, I'd stand right there on the side of the stage <laughs> and watch you do it. Yeah, well, come down that's anytime. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, okay, so another question. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, th- I read somewhere that something about your fascination with John Bonham. Did that, was that a thing? Like, for absolutely. You? I you mean, start, I'm like not special in that. Like that or something? What's that? Like you set up your kit, like sort of like had the, the John Bonham kit. No, I never had you, his kit. The closest I came to, uh, well, just because the music I'm doing uh, sort of won't work with the with the uh, the tom configuration, yeah, the big old bass drum, um, and even though he did tune his toms up higher for you know for fourteen, sixteen, eighteen, he had a higher tuning right. than most people. But but um, what I did have was I I did get an, I had an acrylic kit and back in. Well, geez, what was it? Oh eight, oh nine, something like that. Um, which was definitely a nod to that. And I had the yeah. setup; it was one up, two down. But I had to go just smaller sizes right, because yeah. of the music. Uh, but, but yeah, of course. I mean, John Bonham was, you know, huge influence. Again, again. Well, Led Zeppelin. But again, before I started playing drums, Led Zeppelin was. I mean, there was a moment where that was it. That was everything, and so. You know, I went through a phase, but but I'm not special in that. I mean, lots of drummers, you know, um, and I never tried to just literally emulate what he does. Um, but but sometimes I find myself in a musical situation that will cue sort of the inner bottom. Yeah, I'm like, right. okay, this okay. has a this could, and then then I'll do my best to mimic what I think that feel would be. Not yeah. trying to be perfect about it, but just. You know that's how it goes. You know, as a, as a fan of music, you you channel yeah. your heroes, but your inner hero, it doesn't yeah. have to be literal for me. There are better. There are some John Bonham guys out there that nail it, right? Yeah. You can go, you know. And Neil Peart was Tishy. one of your big Neil Peart. Was oh a yeah, big fan. You were a big fan of Neil Peart. I think I read some huge fan. Again, huge, huge, huge. Not much I can take there. Into popular uh, music, <laughs> right, yeah. except there's an inflection. <laughs> that was the thing about him for me was not only his orchestrated, just brilliant parts, but he had an attitude for for such a seemingly nice, gentle, sensitive guy. He he was he really had a just a deadly attack. Yeah, that's a good way to on put the it. Yeah. on the instrument that a rage almost yeah. you know what i mean the way he played and and there's sometimes i there are moments where i feel like i can borrow from the the inflection yeah. the enunciation the way he, you know but I, I don't really take too much literal yeah. there in the current setting but every now and then it comes out absolutely something reminded me of him and you is that i read somewhere that that i think someone was telling me this um a friend of mine so that you decided back in the day uh, that you wanted to switch a traditional group. That's right. So you worked on it in earnest. You worked and you practiced. Big deal. And you worked. Yeah. And then tell me the story about what, yeah. what happened. Um, 
Well, well, first of all, why? Why I'll, would you, I'll when things you. are working out great and you're doing good, why would you they switch? They were working out great. So, I mean, that's, that's, it, it was born out of that. It, it, there was a, look, I, I started playing matched because that was just what happened to me as a child. You know, um, everyone on the posters and the album covers were playing match. I mean, yes, I was aware of Buddy Rich. Stuart Copeland, and, that kind of thing. Uh, well, Stuart Copeland came a little later for me in my... Uh, I did notice Stuart Copeland, and he was sort of an, an anomaly, because, like, oh, there's a pop guy playing yeah. that way. And Stuart was probably the first guy to sort of uh, hit that intrigue button for me. Yeah, but, right. Okay. So what happened was, I grew up all these years, I was locked into Match because, well, that's... That's how I did it, and uh, but I was never fully. I never felt great playing matched. I felt inhibited because the motion of matched is very linear. It's very up. You know, it's kind of up down, yeah. um, and there's an arc. There's a there's a dance for me. It, well, before I get to that, if when I would just hold the stick traditional, even though I couldn't play it, if I could hold it. Whenever I held the stick traditional, it, I felt a transformation. I felt something in my body that was like, this is right. Ah, okay. Yeah. It was sort of a calling. Even though I didn't have any facility with it, but I could hold it in place. I was like, anytime I held it, things opened up. Um, I stood up taller, I've, you know, in, in the seat. I just felt this click. And that kind of nagged at me over the years, and uh, there was a one attempt, we had about, I don't know, a month off the road, and I, I would shed it during that month, but a month wasn't long enough, and I worked it up pretty good in my room, and uh, we got back out, and it was it was miserable, so I turned the stick back around. And now, it was miserable because... I hadn't all, developed You it hadn't yet. played any Brad Paisley songs with it yet, and so you had to transform everything to right. that bills and I mean, all that stuff it just didn't feel I right. did it in my room I played with Brad stuff I played to our CDs at the time but the environment of my room is a whole different environment of our stage of course, with yeah. in-ears and, and the amount of intensity the intensity is, is, is so not even close so that's the problem yes I could in a month I could move around the kit in, in a lower intensity way but we got to a stage and it just killed me, so I had to. I couldn't do it. So, wow. I, we a year later we got a rare, like four months off. This was in two thousand seven. Four months off, and I was like, okay, this is what I'm doing for four months. And this is exactly what I did. I just re, I took the left hand and I analyzed the movement around the drums. I didn't even play that much on a pad because I needed to learn how to respond to the feel of a drum and uh, and then you know first it was the snare drum and then trying to get around toms was a nightmare once i could play it pretty good in terms of a kick snare hat i was starting back over trying to move it around the drums and i learned how to position the drums a little better and I, it just took just stupid just going around each drum yeah. and making sure muscle memory and muscle time yeah and just just yeah. not there's nothing too overly technical about it. It was just doing it and, and, and keeping myself accountable. Um, does this stroke sound as strong as the stroke I play with match? And I was constantly going back and forth. Here's a couple matched. Okay, that's good. Can I match that intensity? And and is it hurting me to do so? Right, <laughs> you yeah, know? Okay, yeah. And, and when, once it wasn't hurting me, 
I knew I was making progress. So four months later, well, we still had the same problem. Um, we got back to a live show, and it killed me, but it didn't kill me as much. I barely made it through the show. I, I made myself keep the stick traditional for that whole okay. show. Right. And uh, no one noticed, but inwardly, I thought about maybe giving Brad his money back for that show <laughs> because, y y you know, it, it definitely was... <laughs> Weaker, right? But no one noticed, so uh, that's cool. And then I just, as that year went on, it took about it. Uh, each show got a little bit better, but it was a nightmare. But I just stayed kind of stubborn about it and just kept the stick where it was, you know, and never yeah. turned it over. And it eventually, I got used to playing with the intensity of our live show. And then about a year later, it took about a year before I didn't think about it. Yeah. I now think I what you think said about, about just doing that reminds me of how what it takes to be a professional musician, a drummer, mm -hmm. like say, for instance, you just like what I call uh, stubborn-minded, just just yeah. determination borderlining on insanity. That's right. Like you know, Good yeah, way I could get it. a job as an insurance salesman, like my friend, right. or, or work at this factory or whatever. Yeah. But I come hell or high water, I'm going to be a drummer, even if I have to starve to death. You know. And just it's like just you kind said, of what even it if takes. it's painful, I'm going uh, to stay with this traditional grip. Yeah. Right? It, absolutely. Um, and the thing is, I had. it's not like I needed to do it. I mean, I had the gig. I was getting by with Matched, but, but there was, an, again, this... A calling. I like yeah. to take things to another level. I don't like to just uh, sit back and just... If there's a calling, it needs Just take the easy to, road or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so... Uh, it, and that, and but boy, it's evolved since. It's still evolving, by the way. That are you grip. still I'm are you doing still, traditional all the time? Oh now, yeah, or? all the time. Oh, you are. I don't. So you, I don't. I can't, I can't even play match now. Now, if ah, I, it, okay. God forbid, I have the calling to play matched again because I'd have to relearn it. I mean, you know what I mean? That's great. Because I thought the story ended with at the show. You just switched back, and you're just like, Ash, no, no. That. I've been playing traditional since '07. Awesome. Wow. You know, and and I'm, and again, I'll say this: my thesis was correct um i feel much more open playing yeah. traditional grip I man feel, when you watch vinnie calyuta oh do the stuff that he does with his left hand you know, that traditional like, la, 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 yeah that just blows my mind how do you get your hand to even do that just, <laughs> you know i mean i don't know that i can do what what uh, the nuance level that vinnie does it only because the music i'm playing doesn't require but it almost does there's a lot of intricate stuff going on um, so that's when I started working on the pad, you know. Um, yeah. Once I had the power down and I could get through a show, all of the nuanced stuff can be done on a pad. And it's just, it's really, you know what it is? It's just leverage. It's just knowing where to apply leverage on the stick. And you have to find the place between your thumb yeah, and, your, right. and your, your first three fingers on where that leverage and where the power come. is, like where you find suddenly you're like, oh, well, that right. had a lot of power to it. There's a lot of power to it, yeah. but it's also easy. You yeah. know what I mean? That's the thing. It causes uh, pain. You, you, you know, you, Neil Peart did that. He switched. I read, I yeah. saw a thing where he switched to. He did. He hired a, oh, this is crazy. He had this Freddie is crazy. Gruber Neil Peart hired a drum teacher and took <laughs> lessons again. That's right. After he's already like the best drummer in the world, in my right. opinion. And all of a sudden he said, you know, I just want to take lessons. And so he switched to traditional yeah. and took lessons and this well, he was working on that. He was having a, a similar sort of um, existential crisis. You know, I think he probably had it worse than I did. Uh, 
he, he was looking for a way to uh, expand his playing in a way that, um, as far as I know, from everything I've read, and I've read a lot of it, is that he, he wanted more freedom. Um, you know, he... Yes, you're when well, you know you're the best drummer in the world, but he no one is aware of of your own flaws more than you are. Right. And so uh, this is also a guy who likes to or needs to improve and 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 uh he found an area in the technical in his technique you know that was vulnerable maybe, he, you know, and he thought he could do better with traditional. Yeah, I mean, well, I think I think traditional came as a byproduct of that. Um it it started with I think it started with or maybe it was in conjunction with setting up his drums easier for for yeah. fluid movement, um, and then the, the traditionals kind of partnered yeah. with that. You now, know? I don't know um, if a lot of people know this out there, mm-hmm. but the the whole history behind the traditional grip you're aware of that, right? Of course, yeah, of because course. Of the it marching was, and stuff like that. Well, yeah, yeah. The, the drums were on slings. Yeah, and you, you couldn't play a match grip. And, yeah. Match you, grip didn't come into existence till as far as i know till like the 60s i was just gonna say the 60s when you had like the drum set like ringo Ringo was the guy that yeah that right i'm not saying he invented it but i think he brought it to the mainstream but yeah a lot of people don't know that in the colonial days when they would march with the flutes and the you know the the you know colonial days Mm -hmm. they would have the drums march into battle you had to sling it over your shoulder and the drum actually you couldn't put it in front of you because your knees are moving up and down it's just a simplicity thing so you'd slung it over to the side and you had to play to your left or right or whatever side and then if you tried to play match grip your elbow your left elbow would be way up in the air uncomfortably you know so they just uh, did the traditional grip where you sort of dropped your elbow and played and then that just passed over into jazz and so I don't even think they had a choice I don't think they even thought about it like should we do traditional or match I think it just it's happens, just, right? Yeah. This is the way you have to hold the stick to comedy. <laughs> and a lot of people don't know this. I'm pretty sure, uh, let's see, how sure am I? 80% that the right hand wasn't anything like the grip you think it was. I think the right hand, where we have like a, a wrist turn. It was of? wrist turn. Yeah. I think the whole, they were holding it like a club. And the whole forearm. Yeah, I see. So you didn't hit the drum like down on it. Right. You just kind of slung it like it was. Like it a, was. Think of the yeah. muscle you use to open a door. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just you know to turn. Like a it turn. Was, yeah. But okay. With the that stick, makes sense. It was. It was kind of that thing. It wasn't like ooh, we have a fulcrum in the third <laughs> knuckle of the, you know, the molar thing wasn't there. It was just kind of like derp. We've got wow. it. Here we are, cavemen. Well, so what I really like about your story is that, you know, being a pro, I always try to teach my students that the difference between an amateur drummer and a professional drummer is what you said. You had four months off. What Mm -hmm. do you do? Oh, I could go to Costa Rica. I could go. I could just do nothing for what did you do? You said, I am going to work in earnest. I'm going to work on this traditional thing because that's who I am. That's what I do. This is my life, you know. Right. And so that to me is a sign of a true pro right there. It's just like I'm going to invest my time and my effort into my career, back into my career like that. Absolutely. That's a, you that's have a great to point. That. It's like, an, it is an investment. Um, I, you know, uh, I don't, I just never knew it. And I don't know what prevents people from seeing it that way. You know, I, I think, um, you know, in, in other words, if your listeners are kind of going, all right, which person am I? Um, am I the person that, that uh, would take the trip to Costa Rica, or yeah. am I the person that would uh, work on things? You know, you you may want to identify that now. Yeah. Um, Do you wake before... up every morning 
thinking about your craft. You know, what can I do today? How am I? What am I going to do today? Am these days, these days, um, it's always it's always there. Um, I am I'm enjoying. Let's call it a season. So man, keep in mind, I've spent a number of years in that mode, and so for me, other things came into my life which are equally as important as music. So everyone goes to their martyr for music stage where, you know, the reverse side of that, of being so attentive on your craft, is that you actually miss out on the full experience that life has to offer. You become too one-sided. Because, yes, music is cool, but there's other things in life that make you complete, like your relationships, your family... Um, you should go travel and see the world and turn off and go look at the wonders the world has to offer. You right. should. Um, and so I was ignoring a lot of those things. It, everything kind of comes at a price. You know what I mean? Yes, I got the traditional grip down and it's really good and that helps me in my career, but other things suffered, right? Okay. And I had to notice that. Um, and... And one of the things that suffered was just my energy level. It was it was hard to sustain that constant intensity and focus. And I was, and, you know, add the homework to the um, extensive touring we were doing. And I was really out of balance after a number of years like that. You know, we'd come home after, you know, whatever days and weeks of touring. And then I'd go right to work on, on drumming and I was doing a website and all this stuff. And I kind of got burnt out like uh, you know yes it was I invested my so now I'm like I'm trying to um enjoy the fruits of my labors which I am well you I teach as well right don't you teacher that? aren't you uh, a teacher not too? as much that's part of this new sort of season that I'm in because even teaching um and I will I do accept some students I do have but I'm not promoting that I'm not on the street hitting the pavement trying to beat that to death because um, I'm enjoying my time um, with my friends. I'm enjoying my time cooking. Um, I'm into day trading. I'm into wow. staying fit. I'm into all these other things. And of course, I still think about it, it, improvement, but I'm not so maniacal about it um, anymore because it, it's not as sustainable for me. You know, right. I, I become... I became out of balance, and uh, and that's not good, you know. Um, yeah. So I, there's caution there, you know. And well, also I'm 51, so uh, you know, um, and, and not that that means uh, much, but it's you're susceptible, or I'm susceptible to to that realization of, of all right, you know, we've been doing this a long time. It's great. Um, do I need to come home off the road <laughs> and then? Just grind it out in the it. basement <laughs> when when there's so much to enjoy. So, and and I'm enjoying my play. I'm enjoying the bent, the, all of the stuff, all of the practice, all of the things are now. I've reached. You know, you have to take some chips off the table in your life. You know, you have to at some point. In other words, you have to uh, sit back and take inventory and. And go, you know what? This is good. I don't have to force this, this aspect. I can look at other. So I'm, I'm equally as maniacal as I was about traditional grip, but now I'm doing it towards cooking. 
Okay. Yeah. You right. see what I'm saying? Yeah. And or I'm I'm into or day trading. Yeah. I find that fascinating. It Thank aligns you. perfectly with my personality. So I've just taken all of the energy that I had, right, in, in studying, you know, uh, double bass drumming and just now, because I can double bass drum as much as I need to. Um, I don't have to be the best. So now I'm over here, same energy, but different things. Yeah. Cooking. Right. Um, Mm, trying to figure out relationships. Yeah. You know, I still don't get that. Well, no, I get relationships. <laughs> Actually, I get relationships. I don't get dating. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they're two different things. But, yeah, totally. um, but that's, I now have a place, I have some space in my life for that, you know. Um, so you just be careful how much, you know. Don't some people are wired it. differently. Like, People have they have different amounts of energy for certain things. Like I know people that can grind it out in their sheds or whatever it is they do, and still have plenty of energy for all the other stuff. Right. If you're one of those people, that's amazing. I just know that I'm not. I get, I have a threshold. Yeah. Um, so, um, but I do still work on stuff, and especially on tour. So that provides my opportunity um, to improve. Really. There isn't much at home anymore that I can do that transfers to the stage. So when I'm making my micro adjustments, I'm doing it in real time. That's it. Yeah, right. So you. I'm taking inventory during our songs and thinking, okay, can I nail that better? Um, okay, what if I move my finger over the stick just a little bit? Okay, I can get better rim shots. Yeah. I can, okay, what do I need to, you know, I'm doing it. I'm still doing it, but just not as much at home. Not as much homework, yeah. Yeah. I got you. So I'm going to talk a little bit about um, what I like to call click or no click. Right, right. Um, now, when you guys play live, um, is, is there any click in there? Because I know oh, you yeah. have video screens and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah, there's click. Hard. That's what we do. We have some video screens and things like that. So most of our songs are on click, but I've, how do you feel about that? How do you, have you, yeah. has that evolved? Or? Well, what, what's interesting is the question would be, it would almost, for our circumstance, hey, are there any songs with no click? <laughs> right, that's true, yeah. And I would, yeah. to that I would say yes, yeah. and that's the miracle. <laughs> and, and that's also the answer to has it evolved. It has evolved to, we've done so much hammering down with the click that we now accept a few songs in our show, in our highly synchronized show mm -hmm. with video and lights and noises and voices yeah. that we've accepted a, a few songs to be done without the click. Um, Good old fashioned count it off and everybody yeah. come in at the same time. And if something goes wrong, if something were to break down, we've always been this way, by the way, we can just go without, we don't have to have it. We're not so, we do have it, but if, if we're not helpless, if it goes right, away of course, by yeah. any means, um, and so that's also by design. I don't think Brad ever wants to be in a position where he is a slave right. to synchronization. And yeah. we are not, and we can, we can play without it. But having said that, um, absolutely we have it. Yeah. Um, and, and you're I, like me. We were talking earlier. Yeah, you're yeah. like me in that it, it, it evolved into, in the beginning, you know, a little bit stiff because you're oh, I got to stay on this click. To right. where now we've when been doing learning. it for so long, it's That's just like right. it's in the back of your mind. It's, you kind of let it, yeah. It just it's there, but you don't let it drive you. You make it sound natural. It sounds like you just have good time, basically. It, it, absolutely, you move a little with it. 
That's that's my. But everyone has their own philosophy with it. But you're right. When you're learning it, because there's two there's two uh, compartments for learning the click. So you get pretty good in your room because there's no distractions. Let's say yeah. you're managing your your click playing. Let's say you're doing a. Let's say you you got one of those programs that gives you four beats of click and four beats of space, and then you're trying to keep it together. Yeah, right. When right, that's an exercise, and, and or whatever it is you're doing, you're in your room, you're exercising with the click. You get pretty good, and you're like, I'm pretty good at this. This is easy. Yeah, but then when you get into a live mm-hmm. situation and yeah. you've got people pulling and pushing right. you, and you're pushing and pulling you because your emotions are on a whole, whole other level, right? And it becomes this juggling act, and don't you know you, you don't dare get off with it because oh god that's then you're bad and you won't work maybe right you'll think that anyway but right so it's it's the it's the emotional game is has completely gone up uh, a few notches so that's what makes it hard playing it with other people and then you have the one guitar player bass player that's pushing you pulling you around and there's songs that don't have any drums in it in the beginning that right. somebody else has to play so they have to be good at following the yep. click or else it throws the right. whole thing off so yeah the only way to do it honestly i know that maybe there's exception is for everyone to hear the click of course i don't yeah, yeah. Understand how guys bands do it without like one only the drummer hearing it that yeah. blows my mind, but whatever. <laughs> um, so you have to realize that there's a two stage process there's learning it by yourself, which is the sort of initial stage, and then you got to do there's work to do that you can only do again. The practice room isn't going to help you, yeah, you're not under those circumstances. You do you have, have to, any say over what the click is? Like, as in my opinion, I do creating a good click. Is a science all in itself. Absolutely, it's because the like if it's just boop, 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 right, that's the ugliest, yeah. whole, most horrible. No subdivisions, that kind of right. thing. Um, I'm lucky, follow. but if you can actually I can, create your own, then mm-hmm. that's that's a beauty. That's that's such an advantage. Mm-hmm. You and know? now in the studio, it doesn't matter to me so much. Like they, it's generated by Pro, Pro Tools. tools yeah, but okay. if I need a subdivision. I'll I'll just say in the mic, hey, can we subdivide that? I've done the same thing, yeah. You know, put some sub, put some little shaker in there. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah, and they're always happy to accommodate. My favorite click that I've ever created that just kind of covers everything. And tell me, tell me if you agree with this. Is I have a little drum machine and I put claps on the uh, court like one, Mm -hmm. two, three, four. Every you know, right? The beat, and then um, I'll do um, hi hats on the. On the, uh, you know, like, um, yeah, just yeah, eight subdivisions. Claps, claps, claps. And then also, there's some kind of something else that I put in there, and I can't remember what it is, like a little uh, stick, like a, yeah, I think yeah. That's two and four. Every two and four. Oh, interesting. I go, okay. That kind of, to me, has all the subdivisions and everything you need in there. To, right. For any song at all, unless it's a shuffle. If it's a right. shuffle, that's totally different. If it's but, shuffle, it's yeah. got to be a straight click. Of course, yeah. Good luck. Right. Yeah. But um, um, that's what's your favorite click so sound? I have the one I go to the most. I have one like that. I have one like the one you said. It doesn't have the two and four, but it, it's this. It's a similar thing. I just use it for certain tempos, like mainly ballads. So if it's really slow, it'll be the. Right, straight that. Subdiv- yeah. Um, and then the the one I end up going to the most is what I call the high low, and it's a it's in a mixture of layers of like a go go bells and and maybe a high low cowbell and then maybe with just some just some um, some punch. It's got a it's got a 
a rim shot. And so, but basically, the basic theme is it's a high low. So it's basically beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop. Oh, I see. So yeah. I need that. So you know where one is, basically. That's what the high yeah, low is for. Yeah, and it subdivides for just about every tempo. Um, again, if it's too, if the song is fast enough, I won't use that. I'll just use straight yeah. click. Um, the reason why I need a high low I, is because in our situation, I can't really have anything that sounds like anything we're already playing, like a high, it, it has to be, um, what's the word, it has to be um, completely atonal compared to what's, oh, I see. it yeah, has to right. be in I contrast yeah. to any tonality that's going on Musical, on the stage, yeah. Yeah. because I have to get over the levels of, you know, my mix is pretty crazy, like, there's we're the you know we have the guitar which leads the band the guitar is sort of the the baton okay. he cues with the guitar everything's ha so that's I gotta have that pretty high I have my own drums I've got bass and then the click so it helps me if the click sound is is contrasting yeah right. and that way I can turn it down I don't Cuts have to all that. I don't have to turn it up so much in my mix I can keep it lower because it's got that tonality that doesn't yeah. blend with anything else going on so it saves my ears i hear you i've got a fader on my little mixer i have all my drum tracks on the mixer yeah. on my drum channels and there's red tape literally <laughs> bright red fluorescent red yeah, tape yeah. on my click uh a fader you yeah know, so i can just almost look out of the corner of my eye and hit it turn it up if i need it because if yeah. you lose that click yeah in the middle of a song somebody's playing really loud and the guitar comes in and it's just like overpowers the click you're yeah kind of, it's kind of like standing on the edge of of the building and you're about to fall over it's like oh no, no that's I, it's exactly what it's yeah. like yeah or being on a high wire yeah, 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 but when you've got that click cutting through and everything, and there's also when you create the click, there's also what does the rest of the band think? You don't want to create a click that that turns everybody off. That everybody goes, I hate that cowbell right. or whatever that is in there. You got to kind of make it pleasing, so Lu musically, sort of musically. Luckily, you're right. There was there was a a small phase of that, I think, um, but but luckily because I use three different click sounds. It's it's not that they don't like the click sound. They just maybe not like it for that song. Yeah. And so then I can go, I have two other options that I use, which is, again, the straight click and then that one that you said you kind of do. The, yeah. the yeah, shaker with shaker the thing. quarter notes. Yeah, you right. know. There's um, one song that, that I use a little drum machine on that the rest of the band doesn't hear click, but mm -hmm. just me. It's when mm -hmm. we do the wall at the end of the... We do this little rock medley at the end and we yeah. do the wall. And only because... Right. We we didn't need it for a while, but Michael, our guitar player, puts this little echo thing on his guitar, right? And it's like bucket to bucket, bucket to bucket to bucket, and oh. it has to. He wanted to know what the beats per minute was, so right. we set it. So then, if I'm off of that a little bit, it doesn't. It doesn't. So I have yeah. this thing for just me. I just start with the kick drum, and he yeah. does this really cool guitar thing, and it matches perfect. So there's a that's, need for that. You know? Yeah, that's cool. But only I need to hear it. You know? Yeah, that's very cool. But um, yeah, so, I like that. Well, you, man, yeah, I, thank you so much for talking to me and yeah um, just uh i can and talk also for your inspiration <laughs> for our next generation of drummers coming up you know it's yeah. up to us to kind of move them along and teach them what we learned the hard way absolutely back in the day, right? if it's yeah. if it can be done yeah yeah absolutely yeah but, uh, yeah so you guys are out on tour coming up this uh, rest of the summer yeah rest of the summer we're you know our last show is october 9th so that's a good little you know don't job. you love the show day i mean i just i think it's such a gift to be able to make your living Playing oh, yeah. drums in a band, I just can't. I, I just thank God every day. I get yeah. up and I get. I get to do this again. Yep. You know, 
It, you, it's exactly like that. Y'all it's do sound check and everything. And depends. Stuff. We we uh, it depends on the travel schedule. Brad uh, and we fly in a lot, so on days when we fly in, there's no sound official sound check. But our crew is so good at at, at setting everything yeah. up and and getting the levels right. It's it's because of the crew that many times we can just fly in and play and not worry about it. Wow. You know, they our front of house, our monitors, our techs that set everything up, my, you know, they just nail it. Um, so that gives us the luxury of being able... Now, when we're busing and when we're we're not flying, absolutely, we'll do sound check. And sound yeah. check's fun. We have it's a good, fun. We yeah, have a good time. You can kind of jam a little bit. Yep. It's kind of loose and work things out a little bit yeah. that might need to, you know, hey, that thing you played the other night was really cool. Can we work that yeah. up? You know, I love it. Yeah. Usually with us, it's, hey, that thing you played the other night was garbage. Let's work on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Well, thank you I'm so kidding. much, Ben. Yeah. Man, it's been so great. And it's been so forever since I've seen yeah, you. Yeah, man. So Literally. Back in the days when we played practical jokes on each other. Absolutely. In, uh, oh, boy. 2001? Yeah, right? 2001. 2001. One and two. One and two, yeah. I remember minnows um, in the water. The, yeah, we put minnows in Brad Paisley's mm-hmm. uh, drinking water. We played your big and, hit before you guys... Uh, Oh, took that's, the stage. I forgot about that. That was particularly <laughs> cruel. And uh, my favorite uh. was, since I was a video guy, I I created this big video screen mm-hmm. that because Brad Paisley had his new album picture of, on the big yeah. screen behind you guys. And so I went in and I changed it to Bad Parsley. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And put it up there. Man, it looked where you wouldn't really notice it right yeah, away, but somebody hilarious. finally noticed. Yeah. And what did the ping pong balls do? Was that you guys that uh, dropped ping yeah, pong balls Yeah, that was the ping pong us? balls. Yeah, yeah, at the Houston Astrodome. That's right. I yeah. remember just at some point a whole bunch of yeah. ping pong. I felt like, uh, what was that TV show that had that, uh, the ping pong, uh, Captain Kangaroo. Oh, right. Where they would yeah, just yeah, drop yeah, ping yeah. pong balls for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was so fun. Those were fun times. Yeah, and at some point you came out in just a towel or something. Yeah, just a towel. Just or was that in a video? In a music no, video? well, it, it started in a music video. Ah. Then the the video did very well, so people <laughs> knew that character. You were known for that, right? And that character the... came out during your set, <laughs> and boy, Dean was not happy. He did not like me. I don't blame him. <laughs> it, I didn't particularly. I mean. On one hand, I was like, "Okay, this is going to be fun," but I, ha- I have I have a heart. There was a part of me that was like, "Oh, oh man, God, these poor guys! Me. I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't want to mess up their groove." But, I don't want my towel but, to fall off right now. Right, <laughs> but uh, no, those were fun. Those yeah, were really, fun times, man. Yeah. I hope someday we get to tour again. Absolutely, cool. I'm sure. And be sure yeah. to tell Brad. I said, "Hey," because I, I will. He and I were big uh, video yeah. connoisseurs. You know, we he still about, is, man. Yeah. He's he's. Good Every man. time I saw him, he'd always ask me, you still, you still work with Final Cut Pro? Yeah, Are yeah. Are you still editing? And I'm like, yeah. well, not anymore, but... Well, he's all... he's wisened up. He's on Premiere now. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I've yeah. done the same thing. So he and I, parallel is, is filmmaking is kind of the same. You know? Yeah. We've, we've kind of followed the same path. Yeah, he's a brilliant editor. I've seen him. He knows how to... That guy knows how to edit. He think, I could tell he's... he thinks about it. Because like the video that I shot for Lone Star, for the song yeah. With Me, mm-hmm. uh, was on CMT and all that. And it was a whole bunch of behind the scenes on the road yeah. footage that I'd shot in 16 millimeter and all that. Yeah. And, I, and he complimented my editing. He said, yeah. he goes, he goes, it really, he goes, it, it kept me watching. Like I couldn't look away from it. That's a like, good compliment. That was a he, good compliment. He's sort of, pretty, he's I don't throw this word around a lot, but he's pretty genius. At, at editing, he knows how to do it to make the most impact. Whether he's trying to make be funny or trying to be sentimental, he he just gets it for his own stuff. Now, could yeah. would he uh, go and edit someone else's stuff? You know, it would, well, he could, but it would just be based on his. But he knows yeah. how to do his thing. 
So he, really he well. in the same way he probably yeah. edits like the he plays guitar. Absolutely. Right? I mean he has that High passion impact. for both of both yeah. things. Well, Ben, thanks yeah. so much, and uh, that's it for us right. on the designated drum. Oh, and by the way, the way, reason I came up with designated drummer was uh, every once in a while, the guys will, before the show, will come up and say, hey, let's have a little celebratory drink. Let's have yeah, a toast. Yeah. And they'll drink right. maybe designated just a little drummer. drink or something. And, so yeah. I'm, and they'll, they'll go, well, Keach, why aren't you... No, aren't you drinking anything? You know, I can't, man. I've got a. I'm the designated drummer. I have That's to push all the buttons, and I have to. Have yeah. All the. I'm the one that has to start the songs off, and if I get the song wrong, it's a nightmare. It's hard to be intoxicated and have all. It's like driving. You know, flying a plane. You can't be <laughs> yeah. intoxicated. You got to be the pilot. It. Yeah. So I, that's why I, I always said I'm the designated drummer. So that's I kind of right. came up with that for my podcast. That's cool. I like it. Well, thank you so that much, works. and uh, we'll see you out on the road. You got it, Ben Caesar. 